Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 134, Learning to Heal from Burnout, Part 1, an interview with Amanda Hudson, coming to you on Thursday, March 28th, 2019. Let me begin by saying at the very moment that this episode comes out, I am celebrating my birthday in Lyon, France, which is crazy because I just never thought I would have an opportunity to go to France. But uh, yes, so this is my future, but your past will have flown into Paris on the Saturday, wake up on Sunday on my birthday in Paris, France, and then go to the Louvre Museum and have a guided tour of the Louvre and then all sorts of other plans that I hope have happened by the time you hear this. And then on your yesterday, we will have taken the train to Lyon, France, which part of the reason I'm just saying that John and I decided to make that the uh, the other, we wanted to see at least two places while we were there for a week for celebrating my birthday. So we picked Lyon partially, maybe a lot because <laughs> it said that it is um, like quite a food capital sort of city. Now, somebody who's from France told me all the cities in France say that they're like the foodie capital of France. Well, then I'm planning on going to all the cities. So, <laughs> But one of my coworkers is actually from Lyon. So I'm getting all sorts of great advice about things that we should do. And then um, here for the rest of the weekend and fly home on Saturday night. So super excited. I'm, I'm, it's, it's funny because on the one hand, I'm with you in my future. And on on the other hand, I'm talking about your past, but it's going to be a great birthday. I can't wait. My husband has been like just pulling out all the steps to try to make sure that I feel terribly spoiled and loved, which I normally do anyway, but now I'm really going to be feeling that way. <laughs> so today's episode is because I found out that I have a friend who not only went through burnout, but she actually found help to learn to teach her how to get out of it and how to avoid it and stuff like that. So she has tons more information than I was ever able to uh, find online. So I asked her very kindly and we kept uh, putting off the date so that we could make sure that neither one of us was like, we just have to get this done and we'll make it happen even if we're tired. It's like, nope. The whole point about talking about burnout is that we won't record this episode until both of us feel like, okay, now I have time and I can do this without stress. So that is why it's coming to you at the end of March and beginning of April of 2019, even though we learned about this ab about each other um, a few months ago. And I really think that this is going to be terribly helpful, whether you are afraid that you might be experiencing it, you already know that you probably are, or you know someone who, who might be, or you just want to know what the signs are and what you would do so that you can make sure you never get burnout, which is what I want for you. <laughs> so um, Amanda and I had a fantastic talk and there was so much helpful stuff that we actually, we, we thought that we might make it into two episodes, but uh, we weren't sure where to cut it. So uh, I'm just going to uh, find some sort of happy halfway place and that will be part one and then next week you'll get the, the next half which will be part two and I hope that you share this with your friends I would love it if you would share it on social media so that people who need to find this information can find it when I was realizing that this was my problem last April May um, by the beginning of June I think I had finally figured out what was wrong with me um but 
all the information I could find was completely um, superficial and or unhelpful. So hopefully uh, Amanda will be able to give you much more information than I was able to find last year. And if we can get it out to all the people who need it, that would be my answered prayer. That's what I really want for you. Um, It's what I really want for all the people out there who need this information the way that I needed it last year. So here we go. Um, Enjoy. Amanda is a fabulous, fun, uh, another writer. So very good. We're not really talking about writing too much, but um, just so that you know, yay, writers. (laughs) Uh, And you know what? I'm going to stop talking and just let you hear the interview. Talk to you later. Today's guest is Amanda Hudson. When she's not at her day job, Amanda writes romance and contemporary fantasy novels. She has a short story coming out in an anthology next month under the name A.K. Hudson. She also volunteers as a bookstore coordinator for the Sirens Literary Conference in Colorado. Welcome, Amanda. Hey, Kitty. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here talking about this. You and I have been talking a little bit about it uh, when we get together, meet up and stuff on and off. But I was so relieved that you agreed to come and like share your experiences with people about uh, how you realized that you had burnout and what you started doing to heal from it. So maybe we'll just kind of let you start at the beginning, wherever the beginning is for you. Tell us a little bit about you and yeah. Great. Um, Well, I'm going to go ahead and just paint a picture of me um, in the hopes that maybe whoever's listening will zoom in on something and be like, oh, that's me too. Yeah. Um, So just a little picture of of me. I previously worked as a lawyer. um, So I was working in a job that had a lot of deadlines and was high stress. But for me, that didn't lead to burnout. I was actually really good at managing that. I have a cat saying hello, so I apologize for cat noises. (laughs) And, but like I said, that didn't lead to burnout for me. And um, I decided to leave the law because I was kind of more of a philosophy of the law person and not a courtroom uh, person. So I ended up moving away from that. And two years ago, I moved abroad. And um, as you know, <laughs> that can yeah. be very stressful. Yes. Um, a lot of expats are handling a lot of stress um, with being kind of feeling isolated, being someplace new. Um, for us, we live someplace where English is spoken, but it's not the first language. So that's, that's challenging as well. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm just to say a little bit more about me. I'm a really organized person. (laughs) Um, that being said, my desk at home is always a mess, um, (laughs) to help people. Um, I was kind of raised in this very traditional Southern Texas, um, household where, um, my best use is to help people. <laughs> and that's carried through to uh, my adult life where I, I really enjoy helping people, but it also has been my default mode um, where I feel like I have to help people um, yeah. to, to be a good person. So um, there's that. As you mentioned, I'm a writer. Um, and part of being a writer is being an avid reader. Um, so I'm, I, I keep pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. And you're job. a big volunteerer. Is that a word? Yeah. Volunteerer? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I volunteer my time as well, um, for things that I'm passionate about. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that I have, actually I'm really blessed because I have, um, a great work-life balance right now, um, where I'm able to do my hobbies and the things I love. And then I also go to my, uh, nine to five and well, eight to five <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and work. So um, that's, that's who I am. I would say I'm an extroverted 
introvert in the truest sense of those terms as they were originally used. I, um, I seem very upbeat and bubbly and social, but I have to have alone time to be able to recharge. Otherwise I get really stressed out. Yeah. So, that's totally uh, me too. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh no, you're not an introvert because you like being around people. And I'm like, that is not what that means. That's um, right. So I, I would say last fall when I reached burnout, I was shocked um, because like I said, I've, I'm that type A person who thrives under pressure. And the fact that um, I'm currently, you know, I'm not a lawyer anymore and I do have a great work-life balance. And so why, why am I burning out? Right. Um, and so I would say, you know, I could talk about what led to my burnout personally, but that's not super helpful for other people because it's different for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think the, the most helpful thing is talking about those symptoms because those tend to be the same for everyone yeah. I've talked to, um, or at least similar. And so being able to recognize when you've moved beyond having perhaps generalized anxiety or um, some people have struggled with other mental health issues like depression and they, they think that it's flaring up again. Um, you know, being able to tell the difference between um, what might just be normal stress or might be um, another mental health issue and burnout is really crucial because a lot of times people don't recognize the signs until they've really burned out. And then it's hard to, to recover um, yeah. without just taking your time, you know, taking a bunch of time off. Yeah. Um, so, and, and getting to that, I would say that much of what I see um, in the U.S. coverage of burnout makes it sound a little bit like a joke and makes it sound like it's all in your head, um, mm. which I find really amusing as somebody who studied psychology a little bit um, in undergrad. I, um, you know, the, the mind is physical and a lot of the emotional responses that you have to something, those trigger hormones and are physical. So right. for, for the media and for other people to portray something that's happening to you that feels emotional um, as something that isn't real, it, it isn't right um, yeah. because it is, it's physical and it is real. Yeah. Um, so also- that being said, mm-hmm. I was just going to interrupt and say, though, that being said, I have to say that it's been really helpful to me as a way of um, changing my thought process to if I start realizing that I am like uh, falling down a cliff to go, hold on, hold on, stop. You recognize this. Okay. This isn't real you. Like I'll use the word, this isn't real to tell myself, this isn't the real you. This is chemical. There's a chemical thing going on in your brain. This isn't real. Don't panic. It helps me. It helps me to say it's not real, meaning it's not really me. It's something chemical or something happening in my brain. It helps me to, um, reduce the, the panic that starts to build up. I don't know if that is. Yes, yes that's actually, and, and I think if, if you, for me, when that happens, what I'm saying is this isn't a real threat. Oh, um, good one, yeah. Yeah, because you're, it, it is real, you're experiencing it. And, and one of the things I've, I've been through uh, therapy before, <laughs> so I've, I've talked to a lot of therapists over the years, and one of the things that they encourage is to um, recognize that you're experiencing emotion and try, instead of trying to suppress it um, so that then you recognize it and you move on. You acknowledge it's happening and you say, yes, I feel stressed right now. 
and you let it go instead of that that circle that people get into of well why am I stressed what is ha-? you know trying to overanalyze it yeah um, but yeah so it it, it is I, I can understand why you would say like this isn't this isn't me um, I, I definitely agree with that feeling I, I have that too where I I notice that I'm having these thoughts of um, stress and anxiety and um, just negativity in general. Right. And I have to stop myself and say, no, this, this isn't that bad. Um, you know, I think I'm blowing this out of proportion and recognize that. So yeah. that you can move on. Um, so yeah, I just going back for a second about burnout itself, um, yeah. because there is this treatment of it in the media as perhaps not a real medical condition. Um, mm. I, I did some research <laughs> and I've talked to some professionals. Um, I, I currently live in Sweden, as you know, um, and I talked to some professionals. Just, just so listeners know, you and I met in the most absurd but very 21st century way. We did. So I was speaking at a writer's group in Los Angeles and just randomly was talking to somebody that I didn't know who was there. And I don't even understand how it came up, but somehow we were like, wait, my friend lives in Sweden. Are you kidding me? I'm about ready to move to Sweden. And then you and I met and we had coffee and we were like, I like this person. She's cool. <laughs> and that's how we became friends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was very, very random. I feel like that's often how it is with expats though. When you're living abroad, you end up getting introduced via other friends or acquaintances because they're like, oh, I know another person who lives in a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So, um, in Sweden, the um, burnout is taken more seriously. It, it is actually, um, the phrase burnout itself is not a, a medical condition, but there are other um, conditions that can be uh, used as a diagnosis. And um, so that one of them is exhaustion just disorder, and the other one is, let me just double check my notes here, fatigue <laughs> syndrome. Okay. So um, the, real, the real reason that people have been leaning towards burnout is because when you hear it, um, a lot of people think of connection specifically to the workplace, whereas when you hear exhaustion dis, uh, disorder and the fatigue syndrome, those can have other root causes um, than just workplace. So that's, that's kind of why burnout, I, I think at least, has become popular and trendy. Um, because it is related to work, which is something that if you go through the Swedish medical system, they will differentiate um, whether or not what you're experiencing is exhaustion or fatigue because of other stressors or if it's stress caused by work. Um, and in Sweden, if it's stress caused by work, then you can take medical leave that's covered uh, by the country and you, you still get paid while you're off recovering. So that's a great benefit. Um, it, there's other countries that do that as well. In the U.S., I'm not aware of that being an option. And so I would encourage people um, in the U.S. or outside of Sweden, if they feel like they um, are listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, I identify with this and I think I have a problem. Um, you know, for me, I went and talked to my HR representative and they were able to get me um, going through the system here in Sweden, and it doesn't negatively impact my job at all. But I would be hesitant to do that in the U.S. Um, there, you know, laws vary by state, but um, you're not necessarily protected 
if you disclose that you have what is considered to be a mental um, problem. <laughs> and so uh, you, you want to be careful about that. If you feel like you have these symptoms, I would recommend talking to a doctor, um, especially because some of the symptoms can be um, alleviated by either uh, prescription, which I tend to shy away from, but it is an option, or the, uh, your doctor could refer you to a therapist, which is great. Um, so that's, that's kind of, there's, there's differences depending on where you are in the world, and I just don't want people to rush off to their, their HR and then perhaps get fired. Um, yeah. that, that would be terrible. <laughs> it's not gonna yes. help your um, exhaustion, so. <laughs> Right, right. Um, yeah, but so basically, um, just glancing over at my notes here, the um, burnout is, um, it is a physical manifestation of stress. And in, in, like I said, in Europe and, and elsewhere in the world, it is considered a medical condition. Um, so just to back up a little bit, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> we are not giving medical advice here. <laughs> exactly. I'm not giving medical advice here. I have done research. I have talked to professionals here in Sweden. And like I said, I've in the past talked to other therapists. So um, I'm not just making this up, but I would um, encourage you if you need medical attention to seek that and not rely on my... Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're both... That's right. That's right. We're both sharing because as writers, we both experienced this problem that shocked us and that we didn't know what to do with. Um, but just like with my previous uh, episodes where I've talked about um, my experience with burnout and trying to get through it and over it, um, this is from, this is like friends sitting down, having a cup of coffee together, not, uh, not doing any more than the kind of advice friends give friends. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that being said, I am going to dig a little bit into some of the medical because I think for me, um, when I learned about the physical uh, medical aspect of this, I felt better. I felt um, less, and I hate using this word, crazy. <laughs> um, and it made me feel like I was doing something that was right for me, which really honestly I needed to do at the time. So what happens with um, med mental fatigue is that it translates into physical fatigue. Um, and the how of that is that in our brain, we have the hypothalamus um, that's in charge of our body's stress hormones and stress response. So when you're under stress, um, you end up having a signal that's sent from the hypothalamus to two other parts of the brain. One of them is uh, the pituitary gland, and the other one is the adrenal medulla. Um, so, and these do two different things. Like I said, not a doctor, not a scientist. I'm not going to give you a biology lesson. <laughs> yeah. But if you do want to know more about this, because I found it fascinating, um, there's great information on simplypsychology.org. Um, you can search for stress biology, and it will give you a whole diagram and interesting information about hormones. Awesome. Um, but what you should know is that the stress that you come across, that what stresses you out, triggers this physical response in the brain. And... Um, most importantly, it, it triggers what a lot of people know as the fight or flight response. And this is meant to save us from short-term stress. 
Um, and, and it's an automatic response. You can't really control that. Um, so th this is something that automatically happens. It's a chemical reaction in your body. And you might feel an increased heart rate as adrenaline is released. Um, and this adrenaline is meant to help save you from a physical threat. Yeah. But over time, um, humans have most of them, not most of them, a lot of us have moved outside of being physically threatened on a daily basis. And right. so the, we've internalized other kinds of stress and our bodies have the same physical response. So, um, you know, over time, not only do you have this quick, immediate adrenal response, um, but there's another hormone that is released that suppresses your immune system. So unfortunately, if you have repetitive stress, your immune system is weakened. And a lot of people not only end up fatigued because of that, but they end up getting um, other illnesses, especially if you work at, I used to work at a university and I had students coming in from all over the world. And it was like clockwork every semester when people would come back from vacation, my immune system would instantly tank. And, um, you know, that's, I'm sure that's true for other people too. <laughs> yeah, lots of colds and flu and... Exactly. So um, all, all of this over time, if you're constantly having this stress response, you're, you're going to be, become exhausted because your body is not functioning at its normal level. It is um, suppressing certain bodily functions to heighten other ones. And that's just not healthy. Um, yeah. so you will end up being exhausted and fatigued. Um, some of the symptoms you might end up having as a result of this are memory problems, uh, trouble concentrating. Uh, for me, I became frustrated a lot faster and angry about things that used to not make me angry at all. <laughs> yeah. So um, that, and then that would make me frustrated because I didn't know why I was angry. Right. Uh, that was actually one of the signals to me that something, it took a really long time, but eventually I finally asked myself, when was the last time that I didn't feel angry? And when I realized it had been months, and like you said, even though I have this chipper personality, on the inside, I was like, my gosh, I've been angry for months. What? And then it was the first time for me to start asking myself other questions, like, why? What? What's going on? Exactly. It's, it's a real, um, I think, for me, the, the hilarious point um, when I burned out was I became angry about a lack of butter. I was oh. making my breakfast and there was no butter and I just blew up. This is ridiculous. How am I supposed to have breakfast? And I was just storming around. And after it happened, I was like, why? It's butter. Like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> so... Was your um, husband home at the time? Did he witness this? No. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so you could f feel like you're failing at everything you're doing as well. You know, you, you end up getting frustrated and angry and nothing's going right and everything's terrible. But then you sit down and you look at it, nothing's terrible. So like, why, why do you feel this way? Um, you could also have very, very physical responses. I started to have these as well. Um, shortness of breath, feeling lightheaded. I had a panic attack at work one day. Um, I had to go sit alone in the only room I could find that was quiet and use a breathing app to calm myself down. Um, your heart can race. You can have trouble sleeping. 
Um, and another big one that people don't really notice until afterwards is that little sounds around them that are just ambient noise become annoying and you can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So these are some of the symptoms and um, you, you start to wonder, you know, what is, what is wrong with me? Right. But <laughs> everyone I've talked to have had at least one of these, if not more. Um, I, I'll add one more that was a huge, huge red flag for me. I, um, like I said, I'm a writer and a reader and I, I couldn't read. I would pick up books and I would stare at a paragraph for half an hour Ugh. and wouldn't remember any of it, couldn't move on. And at that point I said, I, I have a problem. Something is wrong. Yeah. Um, it was bad. And I couldn't write either. I would try to write and it wouldn't make any sense. And so, yeah, the, there's, there's other, that, that goes with concentration, but it manifests in interesting ways. So, um, which, the, the frustrating part for me about some of that was that I'd be like, you know what? I just need to sit down watch my favorite TV show and I'll relax and be calm. And then like 10 minutes into the show, I'm up off the couch looking for something to eat. I don't want anything in the kitchen. I'm looking at the TV show going, this is my favorite show. Why don't I care? Okay. Obviously what I really wanted to do was read and I didn't realize it and I'd be stuck on a page and then, then I would just get more and more tense and it was bad. <laughs> yes. I, I definitely, I, for me, Similarly, um, my old coping mechanisms for anxiety, I would think, oh, well, I just need to chill out with a book or I just need to go work out. Um, and I would try to use these things that I knew would calm me down and they wouldn't. They just made it worse. And I couldn't understand what was I supposed to do. It seemed like everything I was doing was making it worse. Yeah. So the first step is the hardest, like with most things. Um, and that is recognizing what's happening because it does often look like some other problem that you've perhaps had in the past. For me, it, it reminded me of my anxiety. For other people I've known, they thought that it was depression flaring up. Um, so it's, it's really hard to differentiate. And um, I guess where I got to, as I was saying before, is that there were things that were different that I'd never experienced before. And that made me think that perhaps it wasn't my anxiety. Um, I also am really fortunate um, where I was working had sent around a year before a, um, a test that you can do that's based on a Swedish test that was uh, put together on stress. And it's like a 15 question questionnaire um, where you go through and rate how you've been feeling. I think it's over the last month um, with different uh, stressors. And if you score above a certain, um, I think it's like above an 18, then the way that we were directed at work was you talk to your lead and then you, you talk to HR basically to see if maybe you have burnout. So for me, I started recognizing that I had like weird symptoms that didn't seem like, you know, my normal anxiety <laughs> yeah. test and my score was, was pretty high. So I immediately emailed um, my boss and was like, hey, I, I think I have a problem and I, I'd like to know what the next steps are. Yeah. So that's a great support network that, that I had at work and not everyone has that. So if you start to have these feelings, again, maybe reach out to a doctor or I know doctors are expensive. Just talk to loved ones and or friends and say, you know, I, I'm having, I'm experiencing these things. I want to have a reality check. Like, does this seem right to you? 
Yeah. Um, because that, that can also help like other people who know you well might be like, yeah, you seem a little, a little off. Um, I, yeah. I talked to my boss, she said, yeah, I was wondering, cause you seemed a little snippy lately and you're never snippy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, other people notice, they just don't necessarily say anything. Yeah. And um, just to reiterate that everybody has different symptoms, um, somebody else that we know uh, who's been experiencing this, I was talking to her and she said that her symptoms seemed to be much more physical, like literally did not think that she had the strength to get up off the couch or bed and walk across the room, which was not really, I mean, I was tired all the time, but she said, literally, I, I didn't know that I could get up and, and walk across the room. And I was like, wow, that's really different. And because she um, also had um, um, learned how to deal with, I can't remember, anxiety, depression, both not sure, which is why I'm not saying anybody's names because I would just want to give somebody else as an example. She also had uh, told me that she also had noticed that this was different, like it felt different and the old coping mechanisms weren't working. And so she just didn't think that's what it was. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, so the thing about burnout that makes it so different is that it is a physical exhaustion uh, and a mental exhaustion. And so what that means is that doing more isn't going to help you. Yeah. Once you've burned out, you've hit this, this barrier where your body is basically saying, I can't handle anymore. And so the more you pile onto it, it'll keep trying to release those hormones, you know, the adrenaline rushes to keep you going because it thinks it has to, but yeah. you're just doing further harm to yourself. Yeah. And when I was doing research, which the only thing I could do was try to Google, basically, please tell me what's wrong with me, you know, but um, I, I didn't know the right words. I didn't know anything about burnout. So it took me a long time before I even Googled that. But um, like I Googled depression just to see like, what are the signs? Maybe I'm depressed and I don't know it. Um, and one of the things that you're supposed to do is get out with people and exercise more, both of which made me even more exhausted. Yes. I also, so for me, one of the ways that I handle my anxiety in the past is uh, working out because it does release um, endorphins. And endorphins! You, yeah, yay. <laughs> um, and when I was talking to the therapist about burnout, he told me to work out less until I had rested because I was actually doing more harm in my body. I noticed that when I was uh, doing weights, I couldn't lift as heavy of weights. And that's because my body's exhausted. It, it can't work. It doesn't have the energy to do it. And so I was pushing myself deeper into burnout and deeper into exhaustion by trying to do what I thought I needed to do to make my anxiety less. <laughs> yeah. So the, the number one thing, I know um, a, a lot of people aren't in a place where they can take medical leave for exhaustion. Um, and in some places that would have serious impacts on their careers um, to say, I'm exhausted, I need to take a week off or, or longer, um, even if they do have the actual sick days. So um, one of the things that is critical when you reach burnout is to get rest. And it's a weird thing to do because for me, I didn't necessarily feel tired. Um, I felt physically exhausted, but I wasn't like, oh, I'm, it's not like when you have the flu and you can't get out of bed. Yeah. It, you, you're up and you're moving and you're awake. And so you feel like you should be doing something, um, but everything you try to do is frustrating or you can't do it. 
Yeah. Um, so honestly, the, the therapist told me, you know, you have to treat this like you are sick. You, because your body is sick. And so trying to force your way through and say, I'm fine, I'm fine, is just prolonging how long your recovery is going to be. So get sleep. And if you're having trouble sleeping, see a doctor. Like I said earlier, I'm not big on, on taking pills, but um, if you can't sleep, your body isn't going to recover. Yeah. Uh, you, you, your body does certain things while you're asleep at night. And if, if it's not getting that, then it's not going to be healthy. So um, you need to, to be able to sleep. And then the other huge thing is breathing exercises. So I'm probably going to end up sounding a little like hippy dippy for a minute. Go for it. Um, Make us feel better though. (laughs) Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, there's this adrenal response that happens um, with the fight or flight and that triggers these hormones and your body goes into a certain mode. What also happens when people feel threatened, they naturally curl in on themselves and try to get smaller. Um, so this is, you know, hunching forward a little bit. Um, it, when you curl in like that, it shortens, um, your, your torso. So you're compressing your internal organs. You're, uh, compressing your diaphragm, which is, um, you can't see, but I'm right at the, at the bottom of your ribs. Basically you have, uh, this diaphragm and when you breathe, it moves. So, um, what, what happens with stress is you end up curling in, you're, you're crunching these, these vital parts of your body, and that has a physical response as well where your body perceives, oh, there's more of a threat. So one of the best things you can do- Can I just stop you? Mm-hmm. Did you just say, sorry, did you just say when you, when you get into that kind of hunched over, curled up sort of posture, some part of your body is- thinking, oh, there must be a problem, a threat out there? Yes. Really? Yes. What? Okay. So this is way more than ergonomics as well. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Head blown. Must, must try to like get my brain back inside. I'm really going to be thinking about that later. Um, wow. That's, that's really, I had no idea. Okay. Please continue. But wow, I had no idea. Yes. So there's, there's, a, there's a response that your body has to that. So one of the best things you can do is if you're feeling stressed out, roll, roll your shoulders back, sit up straight or stand and try to open up the front of your body so that you have more room to breathe. And then breathe. <laughs> and don't take short, like for me, I, have, I had an anxiety attack and it's hard to get back from that short uh, fast breathing. But um, my therapist gave me a breathing exercise to do that's called um, mindful breathing. And basically what you do is if, if you can step away from your desk or wherever you are and go someplace quiet, but if you can't, you can do this at your desk. Okay. You close your eyes and you, when you inhale, you picture the air coming in through your nose, going down the back of your throat, going into your chest, going down into your stomach. And as you picture it going into your stomach, you expand out your stomach, which a lot of people don't do on a normal basis. People kind of walk around hunched. Uh, So push out your belly, feel that full breath, and then you reverse it. You exhale and you, you feel the air coming back up through 
um, your stomach, through your lungs, through the back of your throat, and out your nose. And you do this slowly, and you do it consciously because it slows down your breath if you are thinking about all these steps. Yeah. What happens is this triggers the release of an anti-stress hormone that counteracts those stress hormones. And that tells your body there is no threat. Wow. So you, there, you have an automatic stress response that you can't really control. But you can control once you recognize it, calming yourself down and telling your body, no, no, there's nothing that's going to hurt me. Wow. So that is one of the best things you can do. <laughs> yeah, that does sound amazing. Yeah. Okay. And, and probably, I mean, if I'm just thinking about how I'm going to be using this uh, whenever I, you know, see stress levels get like, oh, wait, stop, don't do this, don't want to go backwards. Um, I think that I might be actually telling myself, remember, this is good for me, there is no threat. I don't know, I think I would like add some, some positive imagery kind of, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're also trying to, to get my neurons to start firing in a different direction as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you definitely could. Um, I, you know, as I was saying earlier, I worked with this therapist for a while and um, there's actually some, I'll get back to like some of the ways you can deal with anxiety and, and okay. with uh, burnout and it also helps with anxiety, but um, with burnout and, and uh, the physical responses. But one of the things I hadn't mentioned is that there tends to be a certain type of person who is more geared towards burnout. Yes. So statistically, uh, women are more likely to burn out than men. Um, people who are um, people pleasers tend to be more likely to burn out as well. There's a whole list of other things too. Yeah. But for me, um, and a lot of the people listening to this show, you, you either are or, or know someone like this. The other things that I read on the list were highly intelligent, motivated, ambitious. I'm like, holy crap. It just, yeah. 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 And that's the thing is it tends to be um, kind of, it can be a type A person who just goes out of their way to help others or who, who is strongly motivated by certain, um, they have a drive. And they're going to work really hard towards that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not, it's, the media tries to portray it as people just not wanting to work or right. they're not strong. Right. Um, but it's, it's not that. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't want to interrupt you from your notes for a minute, but can we back up for one second? So, um, so we just uh, listed some, some things that are, are known. For, sorry, let me say it again. Characteristics of many people who have burnout. Mm-hmm. One of which is it's more likely to happen to women than men, um, and then all these other things. But some of those things are also characteristics of people who don't have burnout. For instance, when you are a lawyer, you are still a motivated, intelligent, um, I don't know how driven, but ambitious to some degree if you went all the way through law, law school and got a, a, lawyering, a lawyering job. My, my <laughs> words are not coming easily today. <laughs> but I mean, going through all that process, obviously you were using the same parts of your personality that you still use. So mm -hmm. do, you, do you even understand why you didn't, that wasn't a burnout situation for you? Yes. Something else was. Um, I think for me in particular, when I was a lawyer, I felt like 
I knew exactly what was expected of me. I knew um, exactly what I could do to win. Um, Mm -hmm. And in my current role, uh, there's a lot of ambiguity and um, it's it's not as well defined. And so for me, um, and you, you hear this a lot about millennials, you know, we were we were raised to do this, this, and this, and uh, we like our lists. And like, <laughs> that's, that's definitely true for me. I, um, I feel most comfortable when I know what's expected of me and when I know exactly what I need to be doing. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it. There were other um, issues as well that led to my burnout. Um, but again, those are like very specific to my job. Yeah. Except that I'm thinking about all the people that I personally have met uh, saying, oh, yeah, I went through burnout. It's pretty bad. Um, one or two men, uh, half a dozen women. And, uh, and right off the top of my head, I can think of probably four or five, six of them who there were elements in their life or their job that they knew that in general there was this cloud of this is my job but, or this is my life or whatever. But... Um, but it was very much like a cloud, not being able to really grab a hold of something and say, this is the thing that I'm doing and I'm going to do these steps. Like one of the things I, I started feeling about um, self-publishing and I always wanted to own my own business. Um, I'd been doing this for well over a decade before I started having a problem. But then I started thinking about what you just said about because I also, I wish I weren't, but I am. I'm a person who I like to know what's expected of me, what, what's going to happen when I do this. I want to have some control over things, and that's how I move things forward. Mm-hmm. I, I take steps that I know are going to work. Self-publishing has so many steps. Some of them don't always work. Some of them used to work. Sometimes it's like, well, add these extra 10 steps and it'll probably work. So long as you do this other thing as well, but then it might not work. There is a whole bunch of that. Plus moving to countries before that had been English speaking countries where, you know, you may not be able to understand a couple of the phrases, but for the most part, I could read and write and and understand people versus coming to a place where I could talk to people, but everything else was Google Translate. And Google Translate sometimes makes really weird translations that you're like, I know this restaurant does not serve virgin pig. So, what might they be trying to tell me? Because it can't be Virginia ham. Why would they sell Virginia ham in Sweden? But, and then you're like, I am so confused. Um, so I, I'm wondering how much that um, wanting to be in control and then finding yourself in a long-term situation where you're not as sure anymore is part of it. Well, I actually, I talked to my therapist about that, which is why I brought up um, some of the, the similarities with people who have burnout, because for me, um, with my, my need to please people and my need for control, I definitely desire control. Um, I find a lot of satisfaction and pleasure from externally, from other people. And so if I'm not getting that, I feel like there's something wrong. And part of why it's so great to talk to a therapist, um, because you can do this hard work on your own, but it's all the harder if you're not talking to somebody who's trained. Um, Part part of it is to re-center the way that you think. And to one of the things that I did, um, I was off work for a month 
And uh, my therapist told me every single day, instead of asking your husband or other people what they want to eat, what they want to do, say, this is what I want and do it. And so it's taking back control of the things that you can take control of, but it's also recognizing that it's okay to want things yourself and it's okay to value yourself outside of what other people think. Okay, this is Kitty again. Amanda and I had such a great time talking about all the different things that might be helpful for you to know, to learn about burnout and how to heal from it, that the interview went on really, really, really long. In fact, long enough for us to just make two episodes out of it. So this is at the end of episode one. If you are uh, listening in real time, then episode uh, 135 will be part two, which will come next week. And if you're listening to this uh, after the days that it's actually come out, then just go ahead and start listening to episode 135 and we'll get back into the rest of it. I hope you guys have a great week. Get a little bit of writing done, get some sun, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.